Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Mark Reifenrath about people as your organization's competitive advantage. Mark Reifenrath, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you today. You're joining us from Iowa. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about people as your organization's competitive advantage. As we were talking in the pre-interview, you know, I'm all about a people-centric organization, uh, leveraging the capacity of your people to help the organization succeed and to add value and bring out value to the marketplace. And I think most people would say, yes, that's important. Um, but whether, you know, what people say versus what they do and the policies, practices, procedures put in place within organizations sometimes tell a different story, right? Or might um, push different types of outcomes and perhaps even what the intended uh, outcomes are that, you know, you're shooting for. Uh, so we're going to unpack this and explore together today uh, how we might be able to leverage our organization's people, the workers and the employees from freelance to gig workers that might work on projects with your organization to part-time, full-time staff and employees uh, to help your organization succeed. As we get started, I wanted to share Mark's bio with everybody. Mark Reifenrath is the CEO and co-founder of SpinUtech, a full-service digital marketing agency with 150 plus team members across the U.S. In that capacity, he understands firsthand how critical a company's culture is to achieving and maintaining success. And that's tremendous that you have such a distributed team across the U.S. I'm sure that will play into some of what we're talking about today. And as you're sharing examples from your own uh, organization, before we dive on in, anything else you would like to share with me or my audience by way of your background or personal context, and then we'll get started. Yeah. So I think a, a unique chapter or beginning to this story is that we started the business when I was a junior in college. So a lot of this knowledge or uh, belief system that we have on how we approach, you know, culture and core values was really formed over time by ourselves as, as well as influenced by many we came across over that journey. We didn't come from corporate America where we maybe tried to adapt to what we thought should be done. It was more about let's do what we think is best for us and build a, a place where we want to work at as well and have fun. Yeah. Well, I love that. And that's great that you have that like self-awareness 
you want to work at a place where you want to be. And so, of course, you'd want it to be a place um, that others can find success and, and fulfill their potential as well. I think that's fantastic. And it's it's one thing to kind of have that mindset and that commitment early on when you're in the founding stage. It's another thing entirely, I think, uh, to stay committed to it when you start going through the scaling process. Um, so I imagine, you know, when you're in those early days uh, as a co-founder of Spinutech in college, you know, you, you, I'm sure you had hopes and aspirations that you would get to where you're at today, but that was, you were a long way off from that at the time, right? So how, how were you able to maintain that kind of a value system, that kind of a, a desired culture, even while going through that scaling process? So when we started, well, first of all, in 2000, when we started, I don't think that this was a conversation nearly as much as it is today. People weren't talking about corporate culture. Core values were more of a poster on a wall and maybe in a handbook. So for us, it's been as this slow burn to get louder and louder and louder. They've always been there for us. It's always been the same belief system, the same core value set. Fundamentally, it's been worded differently, but we've realized over time that it has been so critical for our growth to be louder and, and ensure that it's a lived culture and core value system. Because if you don't have that, for us, I'm very confident we wouldn't have been able to grow and scale like we did if we didn't have that and make it just a, a, a thread of the DNA of who we are. It would have stunted our growth because we would have undoubtedly had other problems and challenges if we weren't so uh, purposeful and intentional about all those things. Yeah. So how did you maintain that you know, purpose and that intention and how did you integrate it? and mechanize it throughout the organization. Because again, lots of organizations have great, you know, mission or vision or value statements, or they have nice affirmation things on the walls. You know, a lot of companies say those things, um, but a lot of companies don't actually do them or they, right. they unintentionally do things that actively undermine what they say they want. So how, what were like some of those mechanisms or systems you put in place to try to help to establish and then sustain that kind of a culture? Yes. Great question. So lived core values, lived culture is so critical, which is what you're getting at. But for us, the way that we've slowly baked it into just the essence of how we approach every day, it starts in the interview process. So we hire, fire, lead, manage, solve problems with our core values. That's a very simple framework that everybody can understand and grasp. You attack the problem, not the person. And the problem typically is where's the misalignment with one of our core values? When we're hiring, it's do they align with our core values? We're asking questions to try to see if there's any differences or or do they have an ego? Do they are they a ladder climber? One of our core values is we over me. We want team players. We're trying to dig at are there is there a misalignment? Because the sooner both of us find that out, the better it is for both of us. Because if that individual, all the talent in the world gets in, but is misaligned, they're not gonna last. Our culture will will really push them out pretty quickly. And so it's not an offensive thing that they don't align. It's just, it's a favor for both of us. So it starts in the interview process. Then we roll into, we've hired you. You're getting onboarded. We have a first 100 days process that we put everybody through. It's tight. It's great. It reinforces all that. The whole purpose is to get them knowledgeable about how Spinutech approaches digital marketing, but also it's injecting the DNA of our, our core values and our culture as quickly as possible. It's very, very intentional. The way that we approach the day, we, on our Slack shout out channel, it oftentimes, I'm going to say 99% of the time, will include 
a core value or core values that the individual or individuals displayed in something they did well. John did great with client XYZ in the pitch and really displayed we over me when he pitched in. He had a lot going on, blah, blah, blah. That happens. We've already had two of those pop up on the Slack channel today. In our team meetings uh, monthly that we do with the all team, we have uh, a list of them that we go over of, of kind of shouting out uh, different individuals. And then we open it up to the floor. We've got 170-ish team members today, and they are spread out literally across the whole U.S. We're in like 30 states of employment now. And so in the virtual environment, it is an opportunity for everybody to say, hey, so-and-so did really, really great at this. I just wanted to give them a shout out for that. It was really great. And they displayed this core value. And so those are just a few things that are just kind of ingrained in our thinking, ingrained in the way that we approach every day and week and month. Yeah, I love those examples. Uh, they're good, tangible examples of really what anyone can be doing. And again, it's it's not just enough to, to espouse these values and to share them occasionally. It has to be ingrained and embedded into the DNA of the organization. And, and so having opportunities to highlight and and acknowledge and and celebrate people that are living those values. Uh, consistently, uh, that that's super important. Uh, finding ways to build it into the process of you know recruitment from the very early stages of job design to recruitment to the hiring process to onboarding to performance ongoing performance management coaching and mentoring to you know career pathways and development ongoing training learning and development etc 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 like it needs to be ingrained into all of those different pieces. And I know that may sound like a whole lot of work, and I suppose it is. But it's well worth the time because when you invest in your people in this way, then you optimize the system, you optimize the people and you help them achieve at a higher level. You know, they, they maximize their potential and they achieve at a higher level. And that's going to drive other forms of success and growth for the organization. Uh, so on the one hand, you know, HR gets a bad rap a lot of times, you know, for being a cost center where, you know, where you dump budget and it goes to die and like it, it just it's a sinkhole of constant budget. Right. Well, you know, if you're not clear on your objectives and you're not clear on your um, your assessment and evaluation of of the different product, uh, uh, the different different initiatives and programs that you do, then maybe it is a sinkhole. But if you're actually thoughtfully and strategically investing in your organization, in your people, then it's not a cost center. Look at it in terms of ROI. Look at it in terms of you invest for every dollar invested in your people, you know, what is the positive outcome? And when you can demonstrate that, you know, now I know I'm preaching to the choir because this <laughs> you're nodding and you believe, you know, you believe this and you live this. 100%. Uh, but for anyone who's listening, who's like, well, this sounds great, but how do I get the CFO to sign off on this? How do I like, how do I get the budget for this? Um, you know, start to show little wins uh, and start to demonstrate the ROI, speak the business case for your investment in your people so that it moves away from being this kind of mentality of we're just like a warm, fuzzy, you know, like we, we love our people, you know, that's great. But, you know, the, the C-suite executives, they probably in many cases aren't going to care about that argument quite as much as they're going to care about the ROI argument, the impact argument, and what's this going to do for the bottom line of the business. Now, the truth is it's not mutually exclusive. Like you can demonstrate the ROI and the bottom line impact, um, 
which proves the business case that will get people on board. And simultaneously, you you are reinvesting in your people and and you can do it because of the human case, because of, you know, just your desire to treat people with dignity and respect, to show them you value them, to reinvest in them, uh, et cetera. Um, so not mutually exclusive. They can go hand in hand. We do need to learn how to speak that business case so that we can convince those who might be skeptical. Um, but ultimately, as we do that, you know, that that becomes the leverage point for really, truly successful organizations. And I think particularly as we move, you know, we continue to move into the future of work um, in the knowledge economy, we, this is the type of people we need, right? We we don't need people who just show up and do repetitive work. That's all going to be automated. That's going to be AI, machine learning, advanced robotics is going to take over most of that stuff in the coming years. <clears throat> so our competitive advantage as an organization is leaning into the humanness of the people on our teams and the things that they bring to the table that can't be easily replicated by AI or robotics, right? hundred percent. I've got like 50 comments. So I'll try to keep it to a couple here. Uh, for We're in digital marketing. We do lead generation really, really well. I'm in a national forum with other agency owners and Dolly, there's a lot of autom- automation for design. Dolly is one of them. There's, there's several platforms, but the debate was like, oh my gosh, is the future of our industry dead? What are we going to do? And, and my comment back to them was, listen, Henry Ford invented, you know, the, the, the line made it more efficient. And then robots came in in the 80s or whatever and started to replace that. And my point to them was we as agency owners have to focus on owning the strategy. There will always be a cheaper way to push the button and pull the lever and, and, you know, that's the, that's the commoditization that's happening in our industry. But what we should own is the strategy. And that is people. That is smart humans. And the other thing I would say is we're in a new era of leadership need and style that is slowly starting to evolve. And that is leading the whole person because we are all, we've had a rough several years and schedules are different. Work styles are different. We have to meet people where they want to work, meaning they want to work from home. Cool. Let's manage the person to their job and their role, not their location. They shouldn't have to come into an office to perform it for some roles. Sure. But we got to make sure that holistically they're in a good spot. If they're not, you're not going to get the best out of them from a business perspective. So back to the the sunken costs of HR, we call it talent. It's our biggest asset. Our people are by far our biggest asset. And we need to ensure that we're maintaining them and keeping them healthy on all fronts. If we're not, we will lose money, but we're we're also losing out on opportunity for those individuals to be bought in as well. So I think now more than ever, treating every person as a human, ensuring that they're in the best place possible, investing in them, and you're going to get a great ROI on that, more so than having high turnover or not caring about these things, saying it's a cost center you can get an easy ROI on this. Every team member that leaves, it costs at least their salary. So you've really got to make sure that you're you know, ensuring the success of your team, which is going to help ensure the success of the business. Yeah, excellent. And you think about other forms of capital, other assets within an organization, whether that's the intellectual capital, it's the property plan, equipment, the financial assets, like name any of the things, right? And in all those other cases, we actively try to maintain them, sustain them, reinvest into them. Uh, And, you know, I think about equipment, for example, 
that that's a necessary business expense. We have to have good working equipment. So we're going to upgrade them as needed. We're going to continually calibrate them and do quality control stuff. And we're going to make sure that when there's a new, you know, patch for the software that we get it. And we're, you know, we're constantly doing that for all these other areas. Of course, why wouldn't we do that for the human capital, the people assets within the organization that really are the difference makers for the organization um, being long-term, you know, sustainable contributors to the market. If you want to continually add value to the market, it's not enough to just have good systems and, you know, good technologies. You have to have good people with the creativity and the innovation to drive, you know, the, those product offerings, those service offerings out to the market and to have the customer care to make sure that, you know, they're, they're uh, adopted and the customers are taken care of and you have a good positive customer experience. You know, we, we, get it right we're talking about this my guess is most people tuning in today get this um the question is can we get beyond getting it and recognizing it and nodding our heads and saying yes this is important to let's actually take a good hard look at what we're doing in our organization uh you know celebrate the successes the things that we're doing well but let's also be willing to take that good hard look and and acknowledge when things aren't going as well as they should be uh and and then put in place a plan so that we can start to change things a little bit so the question the audience is going to be saying is well but it costs money to your point well What's the cost of doing all this? My question, I would flip it to the exact opposite is, what's the cost of not doing it? That's the bigger cost. It may be harder to prove that out on paper, but I promise you it is way more than the investment than you would put in it to actually do it. So you shouldn't look at it as a cost. It is an investment. So something we've done, what does almost every person in the workforce today want, especially the younger audience? They want growth opportunities. They want a career path. We have developed what we call our GB8. It's our Get Better 8. It's the eight hours a month that we are allowing each team member to set aside time for self-development. That's about 15, it's over $15,000 a year in time to us for each team member. And it's not a peanut butter spread of like, everybody takes this one training. We have some of those, sure. But it's really about as a leader, me sitting down with you, John, and saying, all right, tell me, what do you think you need to get better at this quarter, this year? We chart that out. We talk about it. We, I'm coaching. I'm helping you achieve that growth goal so that no matter what, if you're here a year or 10 years or 20 or a month, did we help you get better? We can feel good about that. The team feels good about that. It makes them better. It makes the team that they're on better and it makes it better for their clients. That helps the business. So again, it's an investment, but I think it is something that is a competitive advantage for us. There's nobody that disagrees with, oh, I wouldn't want to do that. There's no clients that's going to say, gosh, I'm, I don't want you investing that time in your, in your team to make it them better, which makes us better. Everybody's going to go, yeah, I want a piece of that. And so that is something our first core value is we get better every day. This is one example of how we live that core value with actions, dollars, time, all of those things. You know, as I'm thinking about the the good examples and the not so good examples in my own personal work experience, um, you know, I, I can think of, again, usually well-meaning, well-intentioned individuals. Um, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt and be generous. And I, I don't think most people wake up thinking, how am I going to screw over my people today? How am I going to exploit them, take advantage of them, et cetera? Um, that's not how 
most people think. And they get up, they want to do right by their people and their teams. They want to run a successful organization. They recognize the value of their people. Again, so it's not a matter of intention, I don't think. I think it's more of, do you, do you actually know how to do it? Do you have the skills to be able to do it? The the maturity, the commitment, the the tenacity to stick with it, to continue to work at it over time, because it's not like a quick thing. It's not something I can say, oh, today I checked my box. I invested in my people. I'm done for the year. Like it's, it's a constant investment. Um, it's interesting as you were talking about all of that too, I was thinking, you know, one of the things, in addition to the whole cost center idea that you hear a lot of people talk about, I also hear often, I'll hear executives say something like, well, you know, the average employee doesn't even stick around very long. So, you know, if, if I have turnover and the average person's only going to stick around for a year, why would I invest in them? Because it's just wasted investment because they're just going to get training or whatever. And then they're going to leave and, and I just lose all that money. And so they use that as a justification to not invest in their, into their employees. How would you respond to that kind of an argument? Well, I can give you some great stats on that. So we made it 10 years with zero turnover. We still have our first four team members from 22 years ago. Um, not all of them started day one, but, you know, from those first few years. Um, Pre-COVID, we, for the longest time that I can remember, and we, we measured it, 95% retention rate. Uh, we closed last quarter at a 95% retention rate. Now we all had the great resignation, the reshuffle, whatever. So we dipped. We were still below industry averages for us uh, for, for, for normal times. So while that was painful for us, it was still way better. My point is doing these things, you won't have the conversation of they're only here a year. You're going to have conversations like, how do we reward somebody who's been here five years? How do we make sure that we're pouring into them because man, they're giving us a lot. So it's, it's again, just flipping the lens, the script, the table, whatever, and thinking of it differently. And if you have people that are leaving in a year, you got to look in the mirror and you got to tell yourself, okay, we're clearly doing something wrong. And you got to talk to those people. I'm a big believer in you just got to have conversations. And now more than ever, as a leader, no matter at what level in the organization you are, talk to your team, talk to your people. You got to be boots on the ground. You got to get in the trenches and understand because one, if as a leader, I've got to say things at least seven times and I've got to say it many different ways. And I'll tell you this, you also have to say now more than ever what it isn't because people will fill in those gaps very quickly. But how do you know that everybody's on the same page is by having conversations. Uh, Later today, I have a meetup with Mark or a a six-month check-in. It's part of that first, well, it's more than 100 days, but it's kind of the final uh, part of it of me just checking in with him and saying, all right, did everything we say in the interview process and the onboarding process live up to be true? Here's a great story. Uh, a couple weeks ago, and I use this in our all team with his permission. I, I asked him that question and, and a new gentleman was like, you know, you guys talked about work-life balance and harmony and, and 40 hour work weeks and you do this and you do that. And it all sounded great, but I got to be honest, I'm, I wasn't sure if that was really true. And that's always offensive to me because I'm like, well, we wouldn't lie, but everybody says those things to your point earlier. And he said, I was doing an onboarding with a new team member where I was meeting them. And I was bragging about all those things. And it clicked with me. Like it was this full circle moment where I realized everything that I was skeptical about was true. Was re- And I was defending it. I was telling this new team member how great it was. And he's like, it was such an amazing moment of it all coming together. And I always tell people in the onboarding process, 
I spend an hour with each new team member uh, in onboarding doing a culture and core value overview. One of the things I tell them is, listen, the point of the first 100 days is I want you to become a defender of our culture and our core values as quickly as possible. That's going to happen over the course of the next few months. It's going to be different for all of you when that clicks, but it's going to click and you're going to know when, and that's an awesome place to be in. So those are all reasons why you should invest in it and why you shouldn't be having conversations about the question should be more about how do we reward people who have been loyal to us and been here for so long? <laughs> yeah. And when, when I talk to executives like that, and that's the way they frame it, well, why would I bother investing in people that are just going to leave in a year? Well, I, I'm like, guess what? You're not investing in people. So that's why they're leaving in a year. <laughs> like you yes. are assigning your own fate. I mean, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Of course, you're, you you choose to not invest because you feel like it's just a sinkhole um, and because of that, people don't feel valued. They don't feel invested in. Uh, they don't see a career pathway for them in your organization. And of course, they're not going to stick around. Who wants to stick around in an organization like that? So it's it's like a no brainer. And again, I'm not suggesting bad intentions. I'm just suggesting as you are that we need to look at it from a new you know, perspective. We need to flip the paradigm here. And when we do, then we start to see, oh my goodness, look at the ROI, look at the positive impacts of what we're doing. And it's then it becomes a no brainer. Like, of course, we're going to be doing these things. Of course, we're going to be investing in these ways. Well, Mark, this has just been a really great conversation. I note the time. I have to let you go here in just a minute. But before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Yeah. So I'm very active on LinkedIn. So you can find me, uh, Mark, M-A-R-C, and then Reifenrath. That's a hard one. R-E-I-F-E-N-R-A-T-H on LinkedIn. I'm happy to follow you back. I talk a lot about culture, core values, and then what we do at Spinutech with lead generation through digital marketing. You can also go to our website, spinutech.com. You know, final thoughts on this. Like I said, we are in a new era. It it should be a focus for every leader and you've got to pour into it. Because if you're not doing this, I would question where else are you spending your time? Invest in this. It will pay dividends to the bottom line. It's a different scorecard. It's a different metric, but I promise you it will re- preserve profits, if not grow them. And you're just going to have a cooler, happier workforce which is a great thing as well. So uh, as always, happy to talk about these things with anybody because as you hopefully can tell, I'm very passionate about it. But we are in a new era and we've all got to just kind of flip the script and put a new lens on it as we move forward. Perfect. Thank you, Mark. It has been a real pleasure. I encourage my audience to reach out, to get connected, find out more about what Mark can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. If you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.